Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Welcome to the Tennis and Vegas podcast. My name is Andre, and I'm here again with uh, my co-host Vansh. How are you doing, man? Great. Excited to be here. Uh, looking forward to this one a lot, actually. Yeah, nice. And we are again with uh, with Gil here. It's actually the same session, but recording different episodes. <laughs> How are you doing, Gil? Oh, not not the double hello. The <laughs> dreaded double hello. <laughs> that That's actually, I'm taking that from Jerry Seinfeld, who went on a talk show, I think, with, with Jimmy Kimmel and... Uh, or, or Fal- no, it was Fallon. No, no, it was Kimmel. And Kimmel <laughs> said, Jerry, you didn't come back to say hi to me. Like, why didn't you say hi before the show? And Jerry goes, I don't like the double hello because I'm going to have to come out here. You're going to say hello. I'm going to need to say hello. So I don't want to say hello the first time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so Seinfeld. Seinfeld is hilarious. <laughs> I should watch more of him. <laughs> oh, you know, it was Larry David. Correction. It was Larry David. Larry yeah, but David Larry David the... also wrote Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah. 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 Wow. Both those shows are great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the double hole. That was a good bit. I like that. <laughs> I should use that one. So we got here uh, next week, rather, um, the ATP Nido finals, which is the only finals that's going to be happening this year. The WTA finals, unfortunately, is not taking place. Very sadly, the, the WT had to finish on um, underwhelm on an underwhelming note at Linz uh, with an okay field. Um, but luckily, we were getting at least the men's um, ATP finals, and I think I think it's going to be interesting. Um, the uh, the groups the, the the players who qualified are very um, they represent well uh, the rankings of twenty twenty. Uh, they some of them were favored in a way or another because of the the double year, the two year ranking uh, thing. Like for example, uh, Djokovic got a little bit of help uh, in terms of getting to his uh, year in number one, but he would probably got, have gotten it regardless. Um, but still, like the the groupings are really good, and the the players are actually playing really well, and uh, I'm excited. So we have Group Tokyo uh, 1970 with uh, Novak Djokovic number one seed. Daniel Medvedev, Alexander Zverev, Diego Schwartzman, and then we, grew, we have Group London 2020, Rafael Nadal, Dominic Team, Stefanos Tsitsipas, and Andrei Rublev. What do you guys think about those groups? Well, I think uh, they seem vaguely organized by play style, which, it, which is kind of funny. You have players like Zverev, Medvedev, uh, Djokovic, and uh, Schwartzman in Group Tokyo who... 
They love a long rally. They love to to trade from neutral positions. They're all great movers and great defenders, and they're very comfortable from those uh, neutral positions. And then the other group, Group London, they are the heaviest, biggest hitters on serve on tour. Big serves, big forehands. They want to be on the front foot. They want to bully you. They want to dictate. So you kind of have the two groups split up, kind of by play style. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very good point, Gil, actually. That's what jumped out to me right from the beginning, um, right from the beginning as well. I mean, those four players in Djokovic's group all have maybe four of the best backhands on tour. And combined with excellent defense and court coverage and then waiting to kind of go on the offense uh, when the opportunity presents itself. And then you have uh, two one-handed backhand players on the other side. And... uh, and Nadal, and probably and matchups that we've seen, I guess, more often, and matchups that I'm more personally more interested to. Really, I, I like the contrast in both the groups, um, like I just mentioned. But I think the right away that we could have team and Medvedev, or team and Sitsipas, excuse me, square off, which was the final of 2019. They're playing the first match as the order of play is already out uh, on Sunday, and it's Group Nadal that actually will go first. So we have um, Team and Tsitsipas playing each other first up, 9 a.m. Eastern on Sunday. And then at 3 p.m. Eastern, we've got Nadal and Rublev, who've actually only faced each other once. And that was three years ago at the U.S. Open. Oh, you know, I, I remember that. My God, I had totally forgotten. That was the first time Rublev really announced himself and, and went far in, in a big tournament in that U.S. Open. Yeah, quarterfinals, and then unfortunately after that he had some injury struggles and, uh, you know, never really hit that form until 2019, really at the middle of 2019 is when he really announced himself again. But but this, it's, it's this great year to he see established himself. <laughs> because this year he's 40-8, and eight, he's won five titles. I guess since we're talking about Rublev, we can just start with him. But, uh, you know, Andre Rublev, if you look at him this season, he's played 13 tournaments, he's won five titles he's won three 500 titles back to back to back he's beating pretty much everyone outside of the players in the top 10 you know i mean he has two wins over team and two wins over Sitsipas, so that should give him some confidence um those are better matchups for him but really outside of the 500 tournaments um he's been he's done well at the slams he's gotten to two quarterfinals and a round of 16 but beaten handily by Zverev and Tsitsipas and Medvedev in all three of those occasions. So to see how he does against uh, the top eight players in the world is going to be so fascinating for me this week, particularly the group that he's in. When you look at Team and Tsitsipas, who are actually coming into this tournament with a little bit of an injury concerns and question mark. Now, I did read Tsitsipas's transcript today, um, uh, his transcript in press. And uh, he mentioned that he's not quite at 100% yet, but he feels closer to it, and he feels like he can move around more freely than he did in mm-hmm. Vienna and in Paris. But there's still some question marks, and team had pretty bad blisters on his foot as well, so they've both missed some time in terms of preparation and practicing. And so, and of course, Nadal in that group, he needs no introduction. So I guess, what are you most excited for in just that group, if we just take that group in isolation? I um I'm I'm sort of looking forward to the uh one-handed backhand showdown. I think it's going to be interesting. It's always interesting when they square off. Um I'm interested to see really how Dominic team um establishes himself in the group. I 
Because if he's 100%, I don't think... I think he can easily finish number one in this group. I mean, even if Nadal, uh, the London conditions could favor him more than Paris because of a higher bounce and probably a little bit slower than uh, Paris, I, I think Dominic team has everything in his game to completely overpower Rublev um, and Tsitsipas. Although Tsitsipas could really establish himself. I think it's it's really... Um, it's a wild card group in a sense. Like all, all of them, in, in in both of them are quite tough to call. But I think, um, I think the player with the highest chance of finishing number one in the group would be Dominic Team, depending on how he plays his first match. If he plays it and he just doesn't really show up, I think, I think I can see Rafa Nadal finishing first. And I don't know. I think. Andrei Rublev has a really big chance of uh, making it into the semifinals as well. Yeah, I actually I have Rublev and and Nadal moving through. I'm I agree that Dominic team and I I give team the respect the, the this much respect at every tournament. But I think if he's on, uh, he's gonna he's gonna win whatever match he plays pretty much on this surface. Hmm. Uh, even and that that goes for Nadal too. I think on this surface with the way team can serve. And really take over with with his power, uh, but I'm a little bit taking into account the preparation and the the injuries, and I I just think that Rublev is in a perfect group for him. When Rublev struggles, it's when it's when his pace and his uh, the way he takes time away is not bothering the player on the other side of the net, and that is when Rublev really hits a wall. Medvedev. He's he's like Pikachu. The harder you hit it at Medvedev, the hap- the happier he is. Uh, Djokovic is the same way, um, and so is so is really Zverev. These are the players that I have very little confidence in Rublev beating. The group that he's in, these are the players that actually can be rushed and can be mm-hmm. diminished. If you take a lot of time away, you hit really big. Uh, if Rublev can protect his backhand uh, wing. By by really mixing up his spots there, taking it down the line so often like he does, I think there's a lot of good matchups for Andre. And if he hits his first serve as well as as he has been, uh, especially in Vienna, I think that uh, he's got a great chance. Yeah, I think Gil summarized it very well, and I actually really like uh, Nadal's chances, given that he's playing Rublev first. I would not mm-hmm. have fancied it so much if he just. If the way the draw works, you know, if he just started first off playing uh, team or Sitsipas right from the get-go, I think that would have been much tougher for him to really settle in and work his way into a tournament. Now, obviously, in a tournament like this, when you're playing the top eight players in the world, you're not necessarily going to have that approach where you're going to be like, you know, I need a couple of matches maybe to work my way into this thing because of the quality of opposition. But I think if he could have asked for, he wouldn't have, couldn't have asked for a better first opponent, in my opinion. Um, Rublev has improved very much since the three times that he's played and he will uh, need to serve well but it's not a serve that can really throw because at the moment the shot that that I noticed that Nadal as we discussed in the previous podcast was struggling most with is is the return of serve and if Rublev is maybe missing for serves and even if he's making them he's not going to be able to bomb for serves like some of the, let's say, the other players in the other groups for for, for instance so I think Nadal will have his time to set up on on the return and he'll he'll have to kind of play around with that during the week but i really think he can expose rublev um in a way that maybe team and Sitsipas can't for instance 
He can use a lot more angles. He can hit behind Rublev. He can, you know, maybe bring him forward. He can mix up his short backhand slice with the high loopy cross-court backhand or the taking the forehand early down the line. I'm interested to see how aggressive he starts off the match and whether he forces Rublev to play many, many, many shots or whether he start, takes the initiative right off the first serve and does does more serve plus ones or, um, you know, how essentially how he returns, how the serve and return battle goes in in this matchup because we've really never seen that before. Mm. Um, speaking about the rest of the group, I do think um, Sitsipas and team is going to be the most important kind of to set the tone for who is looking the sharpest in terms of maybe a second place position for me. I do think, uh, like for instance, Rublev has a great record against, uh, you know, a pretty decent record against Sitsipas and team. He's won, he's beaten them both twice. It's two and two against in both those matchups. And he, he did beat Sitsipas. And in best of three sets, I do think it really helps him. Mm. Uh, these, the, the matchups here in the sense that he can rush Dominic team and he can force him to hit a lot of slice backhands and then make his way and open up the court and absolutely rip the forehand, which he takes super early. He takes the the forehand extremely, extremely early. It's almost a little bit reminiscent of like a Nikolai Davidenko mm-hmm. with his backhand. He does the same with his forehand where he can really just hit through the court and with great accuracy as well. I think when he's stretched out wide, he can also generate great offense and or at least hit it, hit it with a lot of depth and get back into a position. I just wonder what his plan B is going to be if that forehand doesn't work and whether he's going to have the whether he's going to be able to move forward and change his strategy kind of midway. That's a little bit of the unknown with Rublev for me. Mm. Probably not. Well, Pl- plan yeah. A is going to have to do. Yeah. Yeah. Same. yeah I mean a considering plan. Considering David Inkle won in 2009, maybe, maybe Rublev has a chance. <laughs> it's, much, it's a lot of the same players. Uh, Nadal and Djokovic are in the draw as well. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, it's, I just don't know how Team and Tsitsipas are going to look. And so from that yeah. standpoint, I guess Rublev is, I mean, if he wins even one of those matches, right? And I mean, it is possible in a situation like this, because every game matters so much, every set matters so much, that you could actually lose two of your matches and still make it through, right? So, I mean, and mm. Nadal, I mean, in a sense, if he looks really good against Rublev, then I really like his chances to actually go 3-0. and three and, oh. and so I think a lot depends on how team and Tsitsipas look right off the bat because that'll set the tone for Nadal and Rublev and kind of the rest of the rest of the group. If, like, Dominic team is really looking suddenly sharp and his blisters are gone, you know, then he has a real, real shot to finish number one in the group. But if not, then I think Nadal can really capitalize mm. and, um, you know, may, and even finish number one. I, I do have Nadal finishing one in this group, and I do have Me too. Rublev mm. second, but that's purely based on, um, you know, not knowing where Tsitsipas and team yeah. lie at the moment. I mean, I, for, I have yeah. the same. I would I would say that this is probably looking the most likely considering Tsitsipas and Dominic team's um, form uh, in injuries. I would say though, like I do think that team could be extremely sharp. I, I mean, I'm just banking on the fact that team might be uh, rec- might have recovered. Because if not, then too bad. I think it would be between Rublev and Nadal, and but I don't think Rublev will trouble Nadal as much as uh, Zverev has done in Paris because he doesn't have a, yeah. as much of a pace on the on the serve. 
So, but yeah, I think. Yeah. So, what's could your be, pick uh, uh, out of that group? And one and two. I I I think Rublev is two for sure. Um, okay. I want to say Dominic team. I want to give him a, a a bit of faith faith on that one. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> But okay. I do think I do like think that. that this is probably one of Nadal's best chances ever to win this tournament. So I may be enti- absolutely wrong on that one. So, all right, yeah. shall we go over to the other group? Yeah, with... this group that the question in, in Tokyo nineteen seventy is uh, what is the what is going to be the longest match of this group? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. I love that question. <laughs> I think Medvedev is in it. He does play fast though. The rallies are long, but he plays fast. True. <laughs> I think there's a big chance Medvedev, Djokovic, or Medvedev, Zverev are going to be the longest match. I would say Zverev, I, Medvedev would be the longest match. I, actually, looking at the pace that they played in, in Paris, I mean, that was three sets. They had some grueling rallies, but a lot of it was dominated off the serve. Hmm. So I, I, I do mm-hmm. think that maybe somebody like Schwartzman... Huh. Uh, in the sense that he pretty much for every return game that he plays, just the greediness. Eh? It's almost like a service game. Like there's no difference between a service game and a return game when mm. Schwartzman is playing. Really, I mean, it's for if you look at return games one on the tour, he's like the third best behind Djokovic and Nadal in return points one and return games one in both categories. Mm. So I feel like maybe him and Medvedev could be like the longest match. Could be maybe you know. But then again, like you look at Paris, he's going to have to reverse the trend. Like these are fast courts. These are fast, low bouncing courts. And Medvedev and Schwartzman did play each other in Paris and it was a blowout for Medvedev. And Medvedev and, uh, I mean, Zverev and Schwartzman played each other in the final of Cologne too. And that was also a blowout. So kind of, I'm not too confident about Schwartzman right now. Yeah. I think jo- Djokovic Medvedev. Djokovic yeah. Medvedev. Uh. Djokovic for longest match. Okay. Yeah. yeah longest that, match. I can see that. I can yeah. see that. I can see that too. I can see that for sure. I think I agree more with that than Medvedev Schwartzman. Yeah, for sure. I just yeah. actually con- I just contradicted myself because I realized that they played each other in Paris. And it was not yeah. close. <laughs> because for, for me, the thing with Schwartzman is that if his serve is a major problem, <laughs> which is which is sad, especially on a, on a fast court. Um, yeah, not having um, the ability of getting too many uh, free free points on the service is going to hurt him so him so much, and he probably hates himself right now for taking the same group as Verev and Medvedev because those two guys have the biggest serves in the entire draw, I would say, uh, especially Zverev, and who is playing really well. Well, Medvedev is actually playing really well too. So um, both of them finalists in Paris. Uh, indoor hardcourt so if Schwarzman yeah Yeah, he's he's gonna have to find a different way of serving like he's gonna have to go more for locations Mm -hmm. you know maybe go more out wide more like he's gonna have to play around with his placement I feel because if he's gonna have to hit you know so many serves to hold to hold a service game it's gonna be really tough Mm -hmm. on these courts so I'm interested to see how early he takes the ball, how like he's going to have to make up for it in so many other areas where I just don't think I have confidence that he can push all of these guys, that he can make them play three sets, you know, on a good day, uh, especially if their serving rhythm is a little off and he gets a look at a lot of second serves. But it's just, you know, maybe maybe that first match against Djokovic is actually going to be a, a good matchup for him, honestly, maybe even better than the other two. Just because I think he has nothing to lose, absolutely nothing to lose in that one, and 
you know, he may start off he may start off a little bit better than Novak might. And mm-hmm. so that's where I think he can get some traction going. Yeah. Like I, in I, I, when they played. And he went up two breaks in that match. Right off the bat, he was up three love, almost four love, and it, you know, still wasn't enough in the end. So I guess Schwartzman is this year's Berrettini. Uh, it kind of feels like there are seven players here who could could all win the title. Except that, you know, that eight spot Schwartzman, you feel like he can't. You know, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the one thing I wanna say about um Schwartzman though is uh Major props and congratulations for yeah. him to to reach that point because I think his his brother posted yes. on Instagram a story like uh, of a uh, sad sad Diego and the U.S. Open after losing the first first round and then making making the 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 semifinals in Roland Garros the final in Rome reaching the this time of the year like in the in the the most prestigious well most most prestigious but like um the the finals of the year right the top eight players in the world are are there. So, uh, he should be really happy about being there, um, regardless of his chances. Um, and I, I really th- believe in his, in, in his belief in himself. Like he, he's not just going to come out defeated in any of these matches. Um, so I think he's, he's just going to give a lot of trouble to these guys. Um, even if he just goes, uh, over three, I think it's just mm-hmm. going to be pretty much a pain in the group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little guy, big heart. Yeah, that's what I always think of when I think of Schwartzman. Yeah, he he might not win, but he might prevent someone else from winning. True. Yeah, he might wear someone down. He could be the. He could actually mean uh, mean Djokovic not making it into the semis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's playing him first, so it's it goes on Monday. It goes Schwartzman, uh, Djokovic, and then mm-hmm. Sverev and Medvedev. How about that? They just played each other in the Paris final. And right off the bat, that's going to be their next match for both of them. Mm. I looked it up. When was the last time that happened? And it was, it turned out to be uh, Roger Federer. In 2011, he won the Paris Masters. He beat Joe Wilfred Sanga. Uh-huh. And then he was in the same group as Sanga in the World Tour Finals. And that was the f- first match on. And then they played again in the, in the final, final of the World yeah. Tour. And, so they played each other like yeah. three times in two weeks. And and that was the year the Federer did the triple, right? Uh, Basel yeah. and then Paris, Paris and then London. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a name, a name for, for that? that? I don't well, think so. Was, Andre just made it up. Just <laughs> no, but it was like the, the, he it made was it a... sound like it was like this known thing. He did the triple. <laughs> like he's like a he was like the, the Federer hat trick at the end of the year in a sense. <laughs> but like it was something that people were talking about. I don't know if that was something that was replicated. No, That's a big then. factor in the in the goat debate. You know, only yeah. one of them has done the triple. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the indoor uh, hardcore sweep. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they had to make up a name for Djokovic's career golden master right so like well, what prevents me from making up a name for that <laughs> exactly. exactly the indoor yeah. hat trick or whatever you want to name it alright so what are our predictions for this group who's finishing one who's finishing two I have uh, Alexander Zverev finishing one I think his tennis has been pretty pretty unreal recently I think we're seeing what he's capable of when his forehand is reliable and when it's offensive on a consistent basis. And I think uh, the second serve really isn't getting in the way like it was at some points this season. So, you know, all things considered, I think he's, I think he's been playing 
the most impressive tennis uh, recently, and I think the conditions suit him really, really well, especially the serve. The serve tends to be even more comfortable indoors, and I just have this working theory that maybe because he has this high toss, uh, perhaps he really enjoys the fact that there's no wind to take his toss, so he serves really well indoors. But I've noticed that he he's just loved serving indoors. Uh, think back to 2018 when he won the title here, and he served the best I've ever seen him serve. Uh, so he's my one. And then two, I have Djokovic. Um, you know, there's nothing that I've seen recently from Djokovic that is really super convincing, but he is the best player in the world in these conditions. So I, I give him the two. Who do you think he'll lose to if you're giving him like, do you think he loses one match? Um, maybe, I I guess, you know, Medvedev is very, but I think Medvedev could beat him. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I, I think it's going to be Medvedev and Djokovic. Um, I think Medvedev finishes in, in first and Djokovic second. And I think Zverev is just going to lose to both of them. <laughs> Interesting. I'm yeah. going to, I actually, I'm going to say that. So I think Zverev and I, I think Djokovic and Medvedev, I'm most looking forward to in this group if they play each other. Because you look at their matches, I mean, Cincinnati last year, Montreal, um, even on clay in Monte Carlo last year, uh, Medvedev was able to get the better of Djokovic in both those occasions in, in the third set. And, you know, on these courts, and even their ATP Cup match was one of the best matches of 2020, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Could be, right? And so I think that um, I actually have Medvedev and Djokovic as well getting out of this group. I actually have uh, Djokovic 1 and Medvedev oh. 2. Because I have, I, I think they will go the distance, but I back Djokovic in a third set, mm. just slightly. Yeah, um, right now. And I do think uh, Medvedev gets past Zverev uh, on Monday. Uh, I just think, uh, I just think he's figured out a way in this matchup to um, make Zverev feel uncomfortable uh, from the baseline and scrape out those low, lower balls, and he can just get more off his serve. He can get more off his second serve. Uh, if Zverev is, you know, serving above seventy percent like he was in Paris, I do think it's just mindset, and some of it is technical. Some of it is like you mentioned with, with um, I'm sure like a serving coach would be, would be much better at analyzing this than me. But the arm, the left arm, when you toss up, when you toss the ball with your left arm, the your dominant hand is usually going up at the same time or just a little bit behind that dom- that left arm but in his case it seems that the ball is the ball toss is so huge that his racket drops so far down that he's actually not that he actually has a hitch in the middle and he's not getting that straight up uh, shoulder turn or that straight up kind of uh, arc that players get on their serve so he's having to kind of rely on that holding up with that high ball toss and it, so i think your theory actually does have some uh does have some significance to that i think indoors i think it it helps him gives him just enough time so that he can set up and he can his his racket can come over the ball like at just the right moment where he wants it and he can focus on that big target of repeatedly making those first serves but i think if his first serve percentage drops i do think somebody like medvedev will be able to take advantage of that and you know really 
play the way he did, like for instance, in the third set of that final where he was really able to just break through and use some more variety in his game and, you know, brings Zverev forward, which he isn't, which he's gotten a lot more comfortable at. I do think Ferrer has helped him in his forehand and also in his transition game. So he's volleying a lot better. But if he's forced to continuously hit those uh, hit those volleys, I mean, Medvedev has good passing shots, and I think Medvedev himself is more offensive on the surface. So I like uh, Medvedev in the in that match, and so I have Djokovic a one and uh, Medvedev, Medvedev two. two. Mm. Yeah, those are my picks. What's the match that you're looking forward to the most, uh, Joe, in this group? In this group. Uh, I'd have to agree with Vanch and say Djokovic, Medvedev. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one that I'd be most curious to see which way it goes. They've had very, very classic battles on a on a consistent basis. I think that you know neither of them they're kind of in a stalemate backhand to backhand, and especially Djokovic is used to having that pattern secured in his favor. So I think when he runs into that obstacle. It becomes very interesting and and a, a little bit difficult for him. With that being said, he uh, he does find a easier offense than Medvedev off the ground. So what Medvedev needs to do is he needs to make up for it with with his serving. With all those things kind of coming into play, I just think it's a really fun matchup, and it probably comes down to how well Medvedev uh, plays at the net and how well he retrieves the drop shot. Mm. If the drop shot That's is working. Right. <laughs> Yes, if it if it goes in play, yeah. Well, I I think that Djokovic is well. I as you said, like I don't I didn't see much very convincing from Djokovic um, lately, especially because of the 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 huge letdown after clinching world number one. It's it, it felt like it feels like oh yeah now you're world number one and then you lose extremely badly <laughs> right in the next match. It's, it's just it just just leaves everybody just kind of like a say what you know what i mean so and it, it kind of feels like if he finds the motivation um i think it will be only in the semifinals. uh if he makes it through i feel like he's going to be struggling a little bit with that unless he puts in his mind i want to tie roger's record of six um titles here he is going to be his his one motivation to finish if not i think um medvedev is going to do a clean sweep sweep and just do 3-0 uh, and Djokovic is going to do a 2-1. Um, Zverev is going to be the 1-2. And poor Schwarzy is going to be 0-3. <laughs> That's my pick for um, that yeah. group in particular. See, I think Djokovic playing Schwartzman first could either go one of two ways. He's had chances to equal Federer's record now the last four years. It should be said he hasn't won this title since 2015. He has won mm. five of these things. But uh, for me, against Schwartzman, I, I do kind of wonder how is he going to bounce back from that Vienna loss? You know, like, is he just going to come in straight right off the gate, like, I have something to prove? Or is he, and because and, Schwartzman is a kind of opponent where it's going to be a tough match, but he can kind of work himself into it in a similar way that Nadal can against Rublev, you know? They wouldn't have, I think their their first match, they always make it so it's like one against eight, or maybe that's not true, but one against eight, two versus seven. That's been the pattern of the last two years. And so I think that could either help him or hurt him in the sense that he might not look as sharp as we could. We might be used to have seen him in previous years. Like, for instance, last year when he played Berrettini, and right off the bat, he was so sharp. 
and just dismantled Berrettini. It was like 6-2, 6-1. And then the difficult matches against Team and Federer came. So it's just one of those that could go either way, the first match. Yeah, That's why I I don't back him to win the title, because I do think that if other players are hungrier than, than Djokovic is and have done more preparation for this event than Djokovic has... Yeah, I think that they're uh, plenty talented enough to to go through them if if they need to. For sure. So I guess now do we want to just finally predict semifinals and finals? And so well, we already predicted the semifinals in a way, right? Uh, True. <laughs> oh, yes, we like, did. Uh, like the semifinals. Who are going to be matchups? the finalists? Yeah. In, there, in your in your eyes, because uh, if. Uh, if we picked one and two from both groups, it basically defined the, fin- the semifinalists already. So, um, well, since because you had Medvedev first, right? And I had so if Medvedev is first, then he would have to play number two of the other group. Yeah, yeah. So Which it would, would be, be for me Rublev. I think yeah. I think Medvedev gets to the final against okay. um, on the other group would be Nadal and uh, and Djokovic. Nadal and Djokovic would be a yeah. very very fun match. Um, to watch um i think nadal is going to make it to the final against medvedev there'll be my exact same prediction as i did for paris is going to be nadal medvedev and i'm predicting nadal to win his first london title ever <laughs> which would actually complete the set for all of the the the, the, the titles that he can want uh, all, all the levels of titles that he can win um grand slams um masters 1000s and uh um gold medal he didn't win all of the Masters 1000s, but he won at this level. So that's kind of like what I'm getting at, in a sense. Okay, right, yeah, right, yeah. one of each. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I, I also have that uh, Djokovic-Nadal semifinal that I think we'd all be rooting for. Um, I'm going to go with Djokovic in that one. Rublev mm. against uh, Zverev. I think that's finally kind of a tough matchup for for Rublev. So I have Zverev to the final. And then... Uh, I. I can't say I'm really rooting for him, but I do have Alexander Zverev uh, lifting the trophy. Oh, wow. Which, again, I mean, I know, I know. I mean, just, but completely taking the off-court stuff away, I do think he's playing the best right now. Yeah. Yeah, so mine gets a little interesting. So I have Med, I have Djokovic first and Medvedev second. So my matchups are Djokovic against Rublev, who have never played each other. But I do have Djokovic through. In that match, I actually think it'll be straightforward. I I think straight sets. For I I would agree. Me too. And then and then I have um, Nadal and Medvedev. The matchup that happened last year where Medvedev was five one forty thirty up, oh. and he started doing all those sarcastic <laughs> thumbs up, which are which are such <laughs> useful gifs now, by the way, on Twitter. <laughs> those are such useful gifs. But <laughs> that that aside, I mean, I, I hopefully you know. That match goes a little bit differently if Medvedev is ahead. And, uh, you know, because I think last year he was just burned out. And there was just so much that went into that. But um, And Nadal was starting to get back into form. And so in that matchup, I actually... So if you remember two years ago, Zverev beat Federer and Djokovic back-to-back and won the title. Um, is that right? Yeah, 2018. And so I could see, like, the last two times he's played Nadal, right? He's had his chances. It's been close. He's been able to uh, change the dynamic of the match. He's been able to serve in volley. He's been able to uh, stay with Nadal from the baseline. He's been able to come to the net. He's been able to do these kind of things that have allowed me to 
really back him to win once, you know, against Rafa. Mm. Um, and especially best of three sets. So I, re- I have Medvedev winning that in three sets. And this could go one of two ways because I do think so. The final, so, so the semifinals are on Saturday, and the finals are on Sunday. So usually, the longer the match, right? Like it depends on who's first and who's second. So if Nadal and Medvedev is first, chances are that that match is probably going to be longer than Rublev and Djokovic. So that will probably go three sets. So I'm so I'm assuming that if that's first, you know, Medvedev is in the final, and he's playing Djokovic. And Djokovic and Medvedev already played each other in the round robin at this point, and I had uh, Djokovic winning that one. So now I have exactly what happened in 2018 with Medvedev pulling off the upset and beating Djokovic in the final, denying Djokovic a chance for his sixth title, and Medvedev the ATP Finals champion. That's my prediction. And beating Nadal and Djokovic back-to-back. I don't know why I'm going for it, but I... I feel confident in it. I d- actually scratch that. I don't feel confident in it, but I do think. But but you're you're happy with it. Yeah, but yeah, I do yeah. Think it's gonna, yeah, yeah. Making yeah. a hard decision. Well, uh, all right. Here's what I'll say about about Medvedev. I do think the conditions suit him. I'm not surprised that he won Paris. But if you look at the the whole picture, the full body of work, I consider him to be the the sixth or seventh best player on tour at the moment. I don't consider him to, to be a, a better player than. Yeah. So that's why I'm still, I like the conditions for him, but I, I don't see him winning. Hmm. All right. So last round up, my winner is Nadal. Uh, Gil, your winner is Zverev, which by the way, I'm not judging you for it. I completely agree with your assessment of a uh, tennis purely. <laughs> um, it would be a sad day for tennis, uh, but it can very well happen. And Vanshwa was here again. Medvedev. Medvedev. I do have Djokovic beating Medvedev in the round robin. And then I just uh, think he's going to have one of those performances, like if you remember in 2016 and 2018, where mm-hmm. he looked so great, Djokovic, getting to the finals in both the occasions. He went 4-0. and yeah. And then suddenly, you know, he had a little bit it. of a dip in motivation. Yeah. And so, and it was three and four in both the finals. Yeah, I was actually pretty surprised so, when he lost against uh, Zverev in that final. Right. I, was, and I it was didn't just, see that coming. It was just no defiance, yeah. and you know, I mean, Zverev played amazing, but yeah. I do think something like that can happen. You know, he's mm-hmm. prone to that now, every now and then, where he doesn't always peak for every tournament. You know, so mm-hmm. I, just going off of that, that's why I have a little more faith um, in Medvedev. All right. So cool. Yeah. So that wraps it up, and that's uh, London. Pretty excited for it. Um, less excited for Zverev being playing on it, but uh, <laughs> still, uh, it's going to be a great tournament, and I'm excited to watch matches finally on Sunday and throughout the week. So, yeah, thanks again for, for being here, guys. Thanks, Gil, for uh, coming up on the show again, and um, it's always a pleasure. Likewise, thanks for, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Always fun. Nice. And thanks so much again uh, for being the co-host of the show. Yeah, a lot of fun, Andre. Uh, and thank you so much, Gil, for being here. Uh, your time is greatly appreciated and love the work you're doing on your channel. So keep that going. And uh, yeah, follow us all on Twitter and follow. Uh, leave us a review rating on iTunes. That's very much appreciated. Tell your friends uh, about this podcast and uh, feel free to message all of us 
um, me and Andre anytime you know you disagree with us or you have any comments or anything you'd like to questions you might have that we can cover on the next podcast we might even do a question listener yeah yeah question That'd and answer fun. podcast maybe somewhere down the road but so stay tuned and stay tuned for that and uh yeah hope everyone enjoys the nito atb finals we have a good finish to this season all right so see you guys later bye bye deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 